Welcome to the Strategy Sherpa Show, a series of organic discussions between hosts David Chavez and a variety of notable business leaders centered around their most significant failures and how they handled those challenges so listeners can learn from their most teachable moments and apply the lessons to their organizations. Now, here's your host, David Chavez. Hey everyone, this is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show and we're really excited to be here today. We have a special guest with us and um, we're looking for, um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, um, Sanger in just a second, but I wanted to talk a little bit about Assured Strategy and what we're doing on this show. So the purpose of this show is to have conversations with leader about leaders about leadership and some of the the times as leaders we make decisions and we make the best decision we can with the information that we have at the time and those decisions don't always work out very well and um so we want to talk a little bit about those because there's so many shows on how great entrepreneurs are but we don't ever talk about some of the things that challenges us scaling and growing a company and we want to do that just not to look at the negative but to help you understand that you're not alone when you make decisions that don't work out well because you're probably using the best information at the time but also so that you uh, um, so that you can learn from other people's mistakes and maybe get some ideas on how to turn situations around that didn't work out so well. Because a lot of these leaders, what they did is they uh, worked through those problems and ended up at some better result as a, as a result of some of their bad decisions. So um, at the t- uh, um, when they made them, so. At the Strategy Sherpa Show, what we're trying to do is just have you learn a little bit about those things. So we welcome you to the show. And before we get started with Sanger Smith, we're going to talk a little bit about um, some of the events we have coming up. Um, On the 19th of October, which is this week, we have um, a, a webinar about processes and efficiency and how to create more efficiency in your business and come and learn from Preston Law and he is just an amazing process person and he'll share some of his secrets that he learned through Six Sigma, Lean and some of the other things out there and then um, then on the 26th is a we- uh, um, a webinar about how to build accountability through meeting rhythms and my partner, Kane Peklovic, is doing that. And that's a pre- uh, preview, a little bit of her, her um, workshop that she's doing live in Phoenix all day on November the 9th of about around accountability and how to get better accountability into your company. Oftentimes, we um, strive to get up accountability, but there's one element that's really missing that causes leaders not to hold people accountable. And it's not just one element, there's probably more than that, but we're gonna really dive into those topics and how they they get to where they are and then how to overcome them. And Kane is just amazing at this. So Sanger, let's welcome you to the show. So this is Sanger Smith, everybody. He is um, from Fort Worth, Texas. And Sanger, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, where did you grow up and uh, things like that? 
Well, I was going to start with the most significant moment of my life, which is when I met you and the rest of the Assured Strategy team. But I'll back up a, a, a little bit earlier than that. Yeah, I'm from <laughs> Fort Worth, uh, born and raised in Fort Worth. That's where I'm I'm sitting right now. Um, some people just never leave their small town. My office, I can see my elementary school from my window. So I am like a Fort Worth homer um, to the nth degree. So went to A&M um, after that and... I, from the time that I think I could walk to the time I graduated college, I, I worked in my dad's business. So he uh, started a company maybe like two years before I was born. I'm his oldest child. And um, it was my birthright to be forced to, you know, uh, do all of the jobs that nobody wanted to do in that business for years and years. And eventually I graduated to doing jobs that only a few people didn't want to do. And then eventually I did the jobs that everybody wanted to do. And then after years of that, I became the boss and replaced him and did the job that nobody wanted to do again. So um, I did every every type of thing that I could do in that business. And it was a, a financial planning company. Um, so we did kind of mass affluent market group, um, financial, personal financial planning. And, and I worked for him for a few years and owned that company, ran that company after he uh, stepped away and then started my own company. So... Mm-hmm. And where did you uh, go? Just real quick, where did you go to college at? I, I went to Texas A and M. So I was a I was a member of the cult. I was a member of the cult within the cult. I was a member of the Corps of Cadets at Texas A and M. So I was really like, I bought into it hard. Yeah, I wish their football team was doing a little bit better this year. I love you watching know, their football games, but this year yeah. they've been struggling a little bit. <laughs> so, it would make so my, can't have a conversation with them. It would make my life a lot better if they were, but it doesn't. It, it, I've learned that it doesn't matter how much money we all give; uh, they're still going to disappoint us. So <laughs> that's true. All right. So, so you um, started your own financial planning company, and why don't you share us with a little bit about with the audience of what you do in that that company? Yeah. So we do financial planning exclusively for. Um, business owners who work with their family who are looking to transition their company or the ownership of their company within the next seven years. So we focus on business exit planning uh, and incorporating an exit strategy with the personal financial planning of the family that owns the company. Um, Whether they're selling to family, whether they're not selling to family uh, and they're selling to a third party, um, we can come in and work on how to create a financial plan, how to structure an exit that's tax efficient, and then how to manage those assets um, after sale. So business owners have a really unique set of financial planning needs that's different from the average American who is a W-2 employee with a 401k and health benefits. They have really unique tax concerns, really unique financial planning concerns, really unique risk mitigation concerns. Uh, And then when that's all done and they finally sell the business, they have another totally unique set of concerns, which is most of their net worth is not in a tax qualified account. For the average American, their net worth is in one of two or a combination of two sources, their primary residence and their 401k. And they're not paying taxes year to year besides, you know, property tax on those assets. 
Whereas a business owner has, you know, you sell your company for $10 million after taxes, you're sitting around, you know, six and a half, seven million dollars in assets. Uh, you're going to have a big capital gains issue for the rest of your life. So how do you manage that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't think about this. Um, they wake up one day and they think that they're just going to sell their business automatically. And that's not really how it works. 80% of the companies in the United States are never really even sold. So um, a lot of people, and then when you talk to business owners, and I think that you probably see this more than I do even because the work that you're doing, um, you, what, the, what they do is when you talk to business owners, they'll tell you, hey, um, I'm actually, um, I, 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 I'm gonna sell my company and that's how I'm going to retire because that's their largest asset. And yeah. then they never sell their company, right? Oh, absolutely. The the average entrepreneur in America has 90% of their net worth wrapped up in their business. That's that's very scary. So people, I want to stop for a second so that, that the, the lack of diversification on that can really settle in. That's far different than saying 90% of my net worth is invested in the stock market, right? Even if 90% of your net worth were invested in the stock market, we would all probably tell you, hey, that's not diversification. But it's it's 90% of your net worth in the stock of one company. <laughs> it happens to be the yeah. company that you run, but it's in one company. And uh, would you make that kind of bet on anybody else? No, maybe you're comfortable betting on yourself, but that's still a really, really uh, concentrated position. And exactly what you said, David, most people don't have a business that is sellable and um, oftentimes I'm the first person who's helping them uh, uncover that truth. And the good news is that you start early enough before your target retirement date, it, w w you can solve for that. Um, it's not always a lost cause. But if you start, you know, three months before you're absolutely ready to throw in the towel and hang it up for good, uh, yeah, it probably is a lost cause at that point. Yeah, you, you know, um, I, I, I don't even know if you know this about my background. So in January, I'll be a CPA for 30 years now. And yeah. uh, I, I owned a CPA firm. And, and what I did with that CPA firm is I was a valuation guy. So I've done over 100 equity deals in my time because I've done some even as, as um, doing the work that I'm doing now. And I will tell you that a lot of business owners think that um, they're going to just one day flick a switch and sell their business. No, there's a lot of things you need, to, a lot of documents. There's exit planning people out there that do a lot of document type work. There's people like yourself who do the, 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 the what are you going to do with the money work? And then yeah. there's, um, and then there's people like me who were valuation guys who thought that we would help be business owners increase their value. But you know, uh, since I've been doing this, the work that I'm doing now, there's one way to really increase your value, have a strategy, working towards that strategy, and you can pretty much sell your business anytime you're ready and it's ready to be sold because people want to buy something where they can see the evolution of the company and see the, how it really created its value. And the last thing is uh, us business owners have to get out of the way. If the business is about us, it's probably worth nothing. So that's yeah. the really hard part to, to understand. 
Absolutely. So, and I, I got inspired because I saw my dad exit his company. Um, I wasn't ever supposed to buy that company from my dad, uh, but he had spent years, years. I mean, he, and he really planned on it. He didn't just wake up and decide he was going to sell. He spent years trying to move toward exit. And then as it was getting closer, he started to realize that his uh, preferred buyers, which were his current employees, weren't going to be able to come up with a check. And a lot of it was their own laziness, but they weren't able to come up with a check. He's He had set a six-month vacation where he was going to turn his phone, computer off, and go walk in the woods for six months straight. He goes, I got to sell my company. If I can't sell my company the day before I get on the plane, like I'm certainly not going to own a company, make 90% of my net worth being something that I can't see or hear from for six months. So he says to me a few months ahead of time, he goes, hey, if they don't have a check ready, you're buying it before we go get on that plane because I was going to go fly with him, hike a little bit. And sure enough, I come to pick him up from his office to go to the airport one day, um, and he has his feet kicked up on his chair, and uh, he's got his backpack next to him. I walk in the door, he slides over some paperwork, and he goes, they didn't have a check. And that was how I bought my dad's company. That's not the dream exit plan. That's not a very thoughtful exit plan. It was, uh, you know, it was, uh, but I'm thankful for the opportunity it gave me, but I don't want other people to be put in that position. Yeah, mo most definitely. And I love how you're saying this. And, and uh, you know, um, oftentimes we just think we're going to sell the company and we're not going to. But hey, everyone, um, this is David Chavez and I'm here with Sanger Smith. We're talking a little bit about um, the, the Sanger's company and we're going to be right back after these messages. And we're going to talk to Sanger a little bit about uh, an issue he had. There are a couple of them that um, he had to learn some hard lessons from. So we'll be right back after this uh, message. And thank you very much for joining the Strategy Sherpa Show. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Volato. Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our jet share program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all the, the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. 
That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. We're back. This is Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez, and we're here with Sanger Smith, and he is a financial planner out of the Fort Worth area. And he's not an ordinary financial planner, which you'll you'll understand as he talks more. Um, So he helps companies um, when they're getting ready to be sold. And that's about seven years, hopefully three to seven years before, and really concentrates on helping them accumulate and keep that wealth. And Sanger, what's the name of your company out there? Decidedly Wealth Management. Decidedly Wealth Management, okay. And um, how did you come to that name? Oh, well, my my dad, I mentioned earlier, was a wealth advisor, and I worked for him for, for years before I ever started my own company. And uh-huh. one thing that he taught me from being a little kid working in his company is the difference between my clients that succeed and my clients that fail is the decisions that they make. That's the only difference. And so... I started to focus on the science of decision-making, the neuroscience of decision-making, the psychology of decision-making in all aspects of life. Well, if I'm in control of my success, if I have this radical approach to say, I am the one who is in control of my success and the decisions I make will either get me there or they won't, then I need to be really, really good at decision-making. And then it occurred to me that that's the role that we're playing for our clients is to help them make better choices with their money, with their lives, with their business. And if they can make better choices repeatedly, we can coach them to make better choices. We can guide them to make better choices, give them the wisdom, knowledge to make better choices. Then they can do it when we're not around. Yeah, that that is that is great. I, I love the name too. Um, I, you told me that the first time I met you and I really love that story. So let's get into the meat of the show. This is where uh, we have a little fun. So um, why don't you share with the audience the first this, uh, thing that you probably wish you would have made a little bit better decision around? Yeah, I think that our first one, you know, after I've articulated who we are and what we do, my first decision was not doing that before starting the company. Um, in my industry, you know, a lot of financial advisors say they help people retire and any good financial advisor will tell you that you, sh- you ought to retire to something, not away from something. So don't retire because you hate your job, retire because you love spending time volunteering or for example. And so I really started my company because I didn't like my business partner uh, in my last company. And that's not a great reason to start a company, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the same <laughs> really. version of running away, you know, retiring from something. And nonetheless, I did. And once that decision was made, once I communicate and say, hey guys, I'm gonna leave, it's a never ending whirlwind of, of work. Um, and so I made a lot of decisions that, you know, didn't serve the company in the way that it exists right now. I, I mean, you know, I think we spent um, $50,000 on marketing that just is not even geared towards our current target client. Uh, stuff that we'll never, ever use, you know, uh, video like courses and things that are geared towards stuff that we're not we're not currently working on. And I'm happy that we're not going to use it. I only wish I could go back in time and say, hey, well, you know, I wish I wish I had had more of a clear vision before 
starting out making tactical decisions about how to implement the vision that I didn't have. So when you have a vision, that's the that's the foundation decision that you've got to make before you can figure out where you're going to go. And then you have to figure out where you're going to go before you figure out how you're going to get there. So a lot of times I see this, I saw it in myself when I started my company for the first meal, maybe oh, six months or so. Um, and I see it in, in clients too, is they start out with tactical decisions. Okay, this is how, this is what our marketing plan is going to be. This is how we're going to hire. Uh, this is da -da 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 -da. And they start doing, and eventually I wake up and I go, I have a to-do list of 150 items. I've done maybe seven of them in the last three months. And these seven are completely disjointed, unrelated from one another even. So that was a really big struggle for us. But once we evaluated what we wanted to do, like what was the highest aim that we could come up with? What is the, what is that mountaintop far in the distance? What's the farthest mountaintop and highest mountaintop that we can set our eyes upon and started moving toward that? It became really clear what our strengths were, um, what we really were passionate about as a company. Um, and a collection of individuals within the company, what we had succeeded with in the past. And so I started to look at which clients we were able to have the most impact on. And it was the type of client that I described earlier. It was business owner who was looking to exit, um, usually hadn't even worked with an advisor before, um, but it wasn't someone who just wanted you know, money management. So in my industry, you can make a lot of money off somebody just handing over, you know, an account to you and saying, Hey, uh, manage this and I'll pay you a percentage of the assets. And we'll talk maybe once a year, twice a year about how it's doing. It's a lot harder to do what we do. And, um, it's maybe you could make the argument that it's less profitable because we're spending a lot more time uh, with the families, but it's way more fun and it's so much more impactful. And the reason that we chose one of the reasons that we chose it is I think that it will it can't get commoditized. It can't be replaced yeah. by robots. Um so that's why we love doing it. And it was funny once we yeah, decided me, me, Yeah, go, go, go ahead. I'm kind of go rambling, so feel free to interrupt. But no, no, go ahead and finish. We when we made the decision that we don't only want to work with um, you know, business owners that are looking to sell, but we have unique value to add for business owners that work with their family. Um, I looked around at my like initial core of four people that came to work for me uh, in the very, very beginning. And all of them had family business experience with at least two yeah. prior companies. I was like, well, what, you know, what are the odds that we, this group of people found each other? Yeah, that's, that's really cool. So, so the issue that you're, you're the decisions you made is you started your company without knowing who your real and how we describe it at assured strategy is who your real core customer is and a lot of people out there talk about their ideal customer ideal customer core customer probably a very similar thing but you did not know who that was so you started the business and you spent a lot of money doing things that probably didn't even resonate with the core customer or you were really looking to attract to your business? 100%. And what we did, you know, at the time, it, this is not as conscious as obviously sitting on a podcast thinking about it now. So 
uh, at the time, I, I would say we were thinking about it this way. Well, we were hardly thinking about it, which is the problem. So at the, but at the time, when we started to go out there and say, okay, this is, who, this is how we're going to execute, this is how we're going to execute, um, we, we didn't have a clear picture of that core customer. So what did we have to base our, our efforts on? Basically, like who we had previously worked for. Well, we weren't a company before. So the only thing that I could base it on was me in my life experience as a professional, as an advisor, as a financial planner, who had I worked for before. But that doesn't mean that that's who I'm best suited for in my own company. That's who that last company was best suited for. And that's probably true. They're, they need to stick with what they're doing. So I was looking, you know, marketing for people who are um, much older than our core customer is right now, people who are generally retired, already retired, or maybe, you know, a year, a year from retirement. Um, and nothing complicated, you know, so we're, we became this really small, nimble company that can be very flexible. And that's, that's what we were able to do better than our competitors is pivot, change directions, provide a high level of service. We go, well, that's completely wasted if we go serve the same average client that the rest of the industry is aiming to serve. Yeah, I, 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 I love the way you're saying it, too, because and you said some things that were really important right when you started this, this last um, 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 description you were giving. You you uh, you talked a little bit about not thinking about it. I think that as a business owner, you probably thought you were thinking about it. Right. Um, and you thought you had thought about it enough. And what you probably did is you made some of the same mistakes that I made when I started my first company is, is that you think a customer like I'm a CPA and I'm going out and selling CPA services. That's anybody who needs CPA services, right? Anybody yeah. who needs financial planning services. And what you end up doing is becoming a slave to what all of the, the wants are of the different variations of customers you have. And you overwhelm yourself with all these variations that are going on inside of your company. Absolutely. Right. Uh, of like, I'm trying to serve this clients and I got to do five things for them. And it, they're the only client I'm doing those five things for. Then I got another client yeah. and I have to do five <laughs> things for them. And they're the only client I'm doing those five things for. And so we have to come up with a million processes because we're overwhelming ourselves every time we add a new client on. Yeah. And what I, I evaluated afterwards, you know, eventually after making several mistakes and spending money that wasn't going to get us anywhere. So, well, what are the threats to my company? The threats are, you know, I'm always, I'm going to get beat out by a specialist. Um, if I'm a generalist, that's, you know, I'm going to get beat out by a specialist. If I'm a generalist, um, I'm not going to be able to com ever compete on price because Fidelity and Vanguard can offer free services. So I can't beat free. Um, and I'm going to my relationship is constantly at threat by outside professionals like a CPA and a state attorney, um, et cetera. Not always, but you know, some CPAs sell mutual funds. They might come in and say, Hey, you know, let me, let me help you out here. Um, so yep. how do we address that? Well, if we, if we specialize, then we're no longer at threat from the generalist. We can charge more money, which means we're not at threat on e-compression. And if we can 
serve in a way that is far above and beyond our clients' dreams and imaginations about what an advisor can do, then we're not at threat from other outside professionals. So we even shifted further and said, okay, we're going to go be best friends with your CPA. Your CPA is going to love us because we're going to be so involved that we make their job easier. So that yeah. CPA is not having to waste their time trying to find you and track you down. <laughs> we go there, we're there, just going to call us and we're going to give them the, the info. And, and it's worked out really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love how you're describing it too. It's, it's, um, it's one of those things where when we're in the moment, we're in the doing of it. But once you started to figure out that you could really target a customer and really get, get a special, in what you're doing, it probably helped you all the way around just focused on what was really important in your business. Absolutely. It was, it was, um, it, it was the, tra the, the transformative decision I think we made was to, to discover who our core client was. Yeah. So we're going to take a break. I want to remind everybody about November the 9th. Get on our website, assuredstrategy.com backslash events. And we're, this is the Strategy Sherpa Show. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866 472 5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Uh, hey, everyone. This is David Chavez. This is Strategy Sherpa Show, and I'm with Sanger Smith with Decidedly Wealth Management. And we are having a conversation about some of the best decisions Sanger ever made in his life. <laughs> Um, you can laugh, Sanger, a little bit because you know, you, you know <laughs> yeah. some of these things. The you got to laugh at them after. Mistakes. <laughs> so uh, you got to laugh after about them after a while because if you don't laugh, you'll probably cry when you think about how much money you spent wasting on on some of these things. But um, it was really good. I, I really um, love how you said that you had had a little bit of an issue trying to figure out what your core customer was, and how did you figure that out? 
How, what, 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 how did you overcome this issue? Yeah. Number one is recognizing that we didn't have one. So I thought I could describe my core client. And then when asked about it, I realized I couldn't. Right. So we had all types of, you know, internal lingo. And like we would talk within the team and think like we, we knew what mattered to our client. Um, but once people outside of the company would ask, go, wait. This sounds like a whole lot of nothing. It sounds like we 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 have no idea who these people are, and and the only real criteria that mattered at that point was, you know, do they have money or not? You know, we're not financial advisors for people who are getting out of debt, but other than that, um, we didn't really know. And so, um, recognizing the problem was number one, and then number two was saying, okay, well, what are we currently good at? What do we currently have experience with? What have people complimented us on before? So people had complimented us on um, being really involved in things that they didn't think that advisors would care about or be involved in. And so that was a comment we got a lot. Oh, I didn't know advisors cared about this. I didn't know advisors could do this. We go, oh, okay, so we're doing more than what is common, but that's not a differentiator, right? We can't advertise on that front because anyone can just say they have good client service. So what is it? Who needs more? And what's the more that we're able to provide in the best way? And so I yeah. started to think of different market groups. And there were a lot of market groups that I could immediately say, I just don't want to deal with them. So, um, you know, one way, and there's a lot of, there's several companies in, in my town that, that do this is to say, okay, what's the, what's the nearest, um, megacorp, and then I'm going to go serve the, like the senior VPs of that megacorp. Right? I'll become. We'll, our company is going to become the experts of the benefits package at Shell or Raytheon or Lockheed Martin or wherever. And I just don't get along with with corporate people. So <laughs> I was like, that's not for me. I don't think I can lead people to do that well. Okay, so that, so there were ones like that that we were able to write off right off the bat. Uh, some were not profitable, um, so we wrote those off. You know, like student loan debt is not going to be our expertise. It's very hard to make money um, on that. And so eventually, we started to think, okay, well, maybe it's the maybe it's the uh, business owner. Well, then it's what type of business owner? Well, we looked at what we yeah. were successful with in the past, and it was helping people um, sell their business smoothly. Um, a lot of our clients who. I mean, now it's changed now, but at the time, a lot of our clients were coming to us that fit that market group. That they were business owners who had never worked with an advisor. Maybe they had a CPA that they talked to once a year, but that was it. They didn't have an investment advisor because a lot of them didn't even have anything to invest. So why would they need an investment advisor? And um, yeah, now, it's a little different now. Some of them have investment advisors, but they would come to us and, and it was really clear how we were able to help them avoid big tax bills, structured deals in a good way. It just became really, really obvious that that's, that was our calling. Yeah, I really, really want to go back to the um, thing that you said at the beginning, because I think that this is a very common thing that happens when we're growing a company. Um, we start the company, we're good tradespeople. I was a good CPA, um, yeah. maybe great uh, crossing over to the great side maybe you're in the same position we're great tradespeople, but um 
But then when we start a company, we think that great trades people is that great trades person is going to be able to just start a company and make money and all these other things. And one of the things you really said that struck me really as really important was is that we were think thought we had thought about who our customer was, but we didn't really think about it as much as we did. And you know what we call that in our business is we call that pattern recognition. You know, I just assume that I have seen that pattern before and I know what I'm doing around this and I don't need any feedback or I don't need any um, conversation. And you belong to a group called Entrepreneurs Entrepreneurs Organization, right? Yes. And that really helped you with because some of those business owners were going, okay, you sound like everybody else because... You know, financial planners, there's a ton of financial planners out there. As a CPA, we were constantly getting bombarded by these guys trying to get to our clients. Yeah. And 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 what I say is is that there's a lot of them out there that aren't that great at what they do because they just took a test and they don't really understand finance. They don't have any practical experience of what they're doing. They've never been trained. sounds like you got well-trained by your father. You had the financial acumen to go with it. Is that, are all those fair comments? I got really lucky being, being, uh, you know, having my dad as my dad, he, he taught me so much at a young age that, you know, my peers in the industry had no chance to learn. Um, I, when I finally got to college and started taking financial planning coursework, uh, you know, I didn't make good grades in any of my other classes. I got to those classes. I don't crack the textbook. I get straight A's and I'm tutoring half the half the students. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I know something here. <laughs> you know, I don't know a squat about biology, but I can do this financial planning stuff. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the next thing, because you gave me a couple different things that you probably were a little challenged with when you started the company. And and the next one is is um, something about the business that makes it really run for you. Right. Like, why don't you share with the audience what the next thing was that probably cost you a little bit more money than you wanted to spend? Yeah. So in my industry, right, there's two ways we make money. One is directly on the advice that we provide. And then two is on assets that we manage. And so the asset management component of that requires infrastructure, right? We have to have accounts. We have to have a platform um, where those accounts can exist. We have to have somebody clear the trades in those accounts, custody the assets, all types of things. There's a lot of security involved. There's a lot of a lot, of gov- a lot of government regulation. A lot of regulation right? a lot involved. Of- yeah, and there should be. So uh, right. advice is, you know, it's still regulated, but there's not a lot of infrastructure, right? You know, I, I say it costs this much and you either pay it or you don't. That's that's easy. Um, there's a lot of infrastructure on, on asset management. So we had, as when we were starting out, we had, um, you know, I had relationships with clients from my previous company that, I wanted to maintain and for, for multiple reasons, I like them. I thought we could continue to provide value. Um, and you know, I, I, I financially, it made sense to continue working with them versus just walk away. So the, we may, we had to have right out of the gate, a, a platform to be able to provide that asset management. And we chose one 
Um, but because we didn't know what we want, we didn't have this clear vision, right? Um, we, we didn't consider a lot of factors that would be really, really important to us now. So a lot of things that would be really important to us now is one is having the ability to customize um, a strategy inside of your portfolio versus you know somebody else's portfolio, right? We want to make sure that client A has a completely unique investment process than client B. And there could be a number of reasons which I can get into if you're interested, but we we have to be able to customize if we're going to serve our target client. Now, if we're going to serve, you know, Susie who retired from Lockheed and has a $2 million 401k, we don't have to be able to customize it because we don't have the same type of tax considerations as we do with somebody who has $5 million that they got from selling their business and they have capital gains that they have to combat every year. So, or maybe they have five companies that they own and they're, yeah, and yeah, they're directly into right yeah exactly you know they 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 have these assets but then they have income from the, they just it's just life is more complicated as a business owner and so investment strategy doesn't have to be more complicated but oftentimes there's a very legitimate reason to personalize it in a way that's not available um for the average retail investor and so the first platform they it, it made that really 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 hard really hard Another one was cash management. So we realized our clients really have a, a cash management need that, again, the average American doesn't have. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you have, um, you know, most business owners have a lot more, or at least my goal would be that you'd have more cash than you need <laughs> and not the other way around. So if you have more cash than you need, just sitting it in your business checking account is not the best plan in most cases. So what are some other strategies? Money market, CDs, um, you know, alternative cash management. Well, the CDs was a perfect example because this year, you know, you can, and probably everyone knows this, you can go get a CD for one year for five and a half percent right now. Today, you could probably go find one. Um, my, the previous platform was going to require that we call our client, send them a physical paperwork with all of the information of that CD available, have them wet sign it and then send it back. Okay, well, we're going around independently looking at different banks. Okay, so by the time that I do that, I send you, I, you know, send you a paperwork, David, you sign it, you send it back to me. That CD is not available. It's filled. You know, Chase has already filled all their orders. It's like, we can't do it. So that was a, you know, there are other examples, but that was a major problem for us. And it caused a lot so, of- so you so you basically couldn't get the best deal for your customer then? No, like we couldn't do what our clients needed. You know, it wasn't about our profitability. It was about, wait, we can't say that we serve this type of client if we can't actually, if we're not confident that we can do better than anybody else. And using that platform, I'm like, I'm not confident that I could do better than anybody else. You know, now we are, now that we've made the changes, I can say, yeah, you know, find me someone that's able to serve our target client better than us. Um, they might do as good of a job, but they're not going to beat us before I go, man, if I can't offer CDs, I can't personal, there's no way, you know, I'm, I might as well shut up. It, there's no chance that we're number one and that's not a position. Yeah. So what, yeah. So what you're saying is you bought a system that fulfilled the generalist approach you took at the beginning, but then once you figured out who your real core customer was, 
you realized that 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 system could not deliver what you needed to deliver to those yeah to the business owners that you were trying to attract to your firm that and that decision cost me three months of no revenue so i went i lost wow. three months of revenue for 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 my trouble there so maybe a hundred to two hundred thousand dollar mistake it well uh about 300 yeah i'd oh, say geez. it was a it was a pretty big deal <laughs> that's even worse <laughs> yeah because i knew you you had made the mistake early on so um but still though three hundred thousand dollar mistake that's a pretty big mistakes and i always say that you know business owners get spankings and it's spankings because money flows out of our wallet because we do something that probably wasn't very helpful for us but sanger smith yeah. and this is a strategy sherpa show and uh this is david chavez and we're talking about some of sanger smith's better decisions he's made in his company just <laughs> kidding um so some of those things that cost a lot of money and so i think some of the points are we'll talk about those on the other side but we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back and then we can talk about how to solve some of these issues going forward for for some of our guests thank you very much and we'll be right back Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Volato. Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our JetShare program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all of the, the revenue that that plane generates. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey everyone, this is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show, and we are talking to Sanger Smith. And Sanger, I had a question that uh, was popping into my head as you were talking, because I think you articulated very well, like some of the complexities of making the decisions you made, and then how much it cost you. So, you know, I think you probably shared about a half a million dollars worth of mistakes today, and that's really powerful <laughs> for the guest on the other side. But 
like like when it comes to targeting the client, what what wish what do you wish you would have done better so that people don't make these same mistakes you made? What do you wish you would have seen that you that that that, that you could have done differently? So you know, first thing is I over time I think that number gets bigger and bigger. It's like the fish that you caught uh six years ago. It's like hold on, it's this big. It's this big. (laughs) It's massive now. (laughs) So I don't I don't really even know at this point how much it was, but it was definitely more money than I ever thought I could lose and still, you know, keep going. Oh geez, horrible. Um so what do I wish that people would know is that I think this this goes through um all areas of of advice like advice advice in any area of life i give people advice for a living i don't give them advice on how to scale their company and so when i got advice on how to scale my company i had this light bulb moment i go that's just a different version of what i tell my clients and that is that most advice that you can go youtube or google or find like very quickly comes in the how to get there bucket it's it's how advice it's not what advice, it's not why advice. And we have to know why and we have to know what before we know exactly how we're going to get there. We have to know why we do what we do. We have to know who we are as a company. We have to know where we're going as a company before we can ever determine how we're going to get there. So a lot of times people come to me as an advisor and they say, well, what do you think about this tax strategy? What do you think about this insurance deal? What do you think about this investment uh, philosophy. Well, hold on, hold on. We got to first determine who you are. What are you good at? Where are you going before you can ever worry about what strategy is going to get you there? And that's what I was doing as a business owner is I was focusing all of my attention, especially in this high stress point in my life and in my business's life, I was searching for the how that was going to get me to where I had no idea. I couldn't articulate it. So that's what yeah, I'm really, 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 really powerful how you're explaining this right now, right? Um, the how and then um, the why and the what you needed also. And you said something about YouTube, and, and I want you to elaborate a little bit on that because I think there's probably something there. YouTube talks about the how. And then, yeah. so how did you get the what and the, and the why down? Yeah. So the, you know, most people, if they're going to go do research on their own, are going to, they're, you're going to ask, let's say, so take me back to when I started my company. I, you would have never found me saying, how do you identify a core customer? Like that wasn't a question that just came into my mind on a Thursday morning while I'm at my desk. <laughs> right. Because, I, and, 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 and I want to, I want to insert something here real quick because it's really important. I'm just back in my pattern, right? Yeah. Uh, the patterns of what I know, right? Yes. Not the patterns of what could be, just the pattern I know. Pattern of what I know. And what I would do is I would sit there and go, okay, well, my, I know my company could be better. I know I'm not making the money I want to make. I know things aren't running as smoothly as they could. Uh, you know, Everything could be better. We could get more into leads. We could get, make more money. We could this, this, and this. Okay, so what am I? The questions that I was seeking were, or the question I was asking out into the internet are, you know, what what's a good marketing strategy for digital leads? How do I even know that I want digital leads? Like, 
how how it's not even obvious to me if I don't have a core customer and I don't have a purpose statement, I don't know what the values of my company are, and I don't have a BHAG, I don't have this vision. I don't even know that my customer is online. <laughs> right. What how online That's might not so even true. be a good way to find my customer. But I've I've already convinced like there's so many premises that are built into the question of what's a good digital marketing strategy. And and that's what a lot of that's what my clients, you know, often do, or usually not well after they've been my client for a while, but a lot of people in my industry ask me questions like that. You know, what tax strategy strategy should I use, et cetera? And it's funny that that's what I was doing in business is saying, you know, what marketing strategy, what, what, you know, comp plan do I need? I don't know, whatever it was. It was like, it was all how information and you can probably yeah, and, find and, good info, but you're going to be lost unless you have the, the why and the vision undergirding that how. Yeah. And I, 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 when I talk to business owners about this very issue, one of the things I write on the board is I'll write market, marketing, and selling. And I'll write them in that order. And I'll ask people in the audience, like, when a business owner starts a business, which one of these three are they focused on? They're focused on selling, right? They just got to yeah. get some business in the door. Then they go up into the marketing realm and they start to do what you just were describing very well. I started doing some marketing, whatever that meant. Right. And then they never really went up back up here to the market and to figure out um, who that core customer really is that I really want to service. And really, this works market, marketing, selling, not selling, marketing, then market. Right. So oftentimes, business owners, because of that need to sell right out of the gate, which is which is a valid need. I, I mean, I'm not underestimating that, but but what we do is never flip that back around and go from the market marketing and then selling. Yeah, that's such a great and simple way to articulate it is the market has to come first. And in a lot of ways, that was my problem for a while was that I hadn't done that. Um, it was also bigger than that in the sense that, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any other component of my vision on an articulate art like I couldn't articulate anything meaningful about the vision of the company. The core customer is a big part of that, but the, there was there were other components that I I couldn't articulate either that I need to and and it's allowed me to extend, you know, hey, we don't have to do asset management. We don't have to um, do financial planning in order to execute on on the vision of the company. Uh, we can serve this core customer and and fulfill our purpose of transforming wealth to significance without doing the services that we're doing right now. Um, I mean, I hope that doesn't change. I like doing these services, but it, it allowed us to like really, really think differently and avoid wasting a bunch of time trying out a bunch of ideas that friends or, you know, whatever told me about. It just made it, it's made my life so much easier. The amount of time that I can yeah, save and not waste. 
Sanger, Sanger, thank you for being with us today. This is Strategy Sherpa Show, and we're here with Sanger Smith with Decidedly Wealth Management out of Fort Worth, Texas. And um, I, I really appreciate your time today and your insight. It's been very, very valuable. Please get on our website and check us out, assuredstrategy backslash event.com backslash event. I got to say the dot com now. Um, so assuredstrategy.com backslash events. And take a look at November the 9th. We have a live event in Phoenix talking about accountability. And you can see with Sanger, um, sometimes we get in a pattern of what we think is uh, is the best way to solve these things. And come and get out of your patterns a little bit and join my partner, Kane Petrovic, and and learning a little bit about, about um, a little bit more about accountability and how you should approach it. Sanger, thank you very much for being here and we'll see you soon. And this is Strategy right. Sherpa Show. Thank you for coming. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. We hope we've given you some insight into the journey of success and how the road to success is laid with bricks of failure. Tune in next week for another inspiring episode.